Okay, if you, have a, if you have your Bible with you, why don't you open up in Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through to 16. Romans 8, 14 to 16. And uh, it says this, it said, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Son meaning mature, not a baby, not an infant, uh, but someone who has grown up because their life is now uh, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And uh, then he goes on to say, for we do not, well, you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, we are the children of God. Very, very powerful verses in here on the Holy Ghost and his work. So who is the Holy Ghost? It's the spirit of God. He's not some force, it's not something. He is a person. He is a person with feelings. He is a person uh, who has longings. He is a person who loves people. He's a person who can be moved and we respond to him as he touches us. And uh, he becomes joined to our spirit. When you receive Jesus Christ, then you change. The Bible calls you a new creation because you're no longer like a person without God. The spirit of God has come and joined itself to you. In reality, you're a spirit being able to engage the spirit world. But without God in our life, we're cut off from that life that he brings. The moment you receive Christ, the spirit of God enters in you. You're now joined to him. Now you have a capacity to commune with God, to fellowship with God, to bring the life of God from heaven into the earth. We're all called to do that. That's God's design for us. How amazing to receive the Spirit of God. Notice this, that when you receive the Spirit of God, you become a living house for God. You become a temple for God. Most of us don't think that way. We, we just get caught up in our own thoughts and emotions, and, and we don't think that wherever you go, you are a temple. That there's someone living inside you wants to flow out and touch people. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are joined to God. Our spirit is joined to him. Not only that, it says he's called the spirit of adoption. That's the spirit that leads us through the process to mature us so we can place fully into our inheritance. So the Holy Spirit, we're going to look at what he does in a moment. Then I want to show you how you can be led by him. How you very, very simple things that you can do that make your life more responsive to the Holy Spirit. And as you're more responsive to Him, your life grows and matures. Notice the difference between maturity and immaturity is the capacity to be led or surrender our life to the Holy Spirit. Not how much knowledge you have, it's actually flowing with the Holy Spirit. Notice, because we are joined to him spirit to spirit, when God is going to speak to you, he will speak to you spirit to spirit. So you need to learn to become tuned into your spirit, into your inner man, to hear the promptings and leadings and directings of the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us there, it says, uh, we've not received the spirit's bondage to fear. So in other words, he's saying that, that fear is a spirit, but God has put some other spirit in your life called the Spirit of God, and that spirit communicates who you are. He communicates and bears witness with our spirit. I'm a child of the living God. Wherever you are, God, you're a temple of the living God. You're a gateway for heaven to come into earth. Now, whether you live that way is the decision. When we start to live that way, out of who God says we are, I'm the temple of the living God. I'm a place where there are sacrifices offered to God, where the presence of God dwells. I'm a child of the living God. I have communion with my Father. God's Spirit dwells within me. He can work and flow through me. 
Wherever I go, I'm a gateway for the life of God to engage with the earth. Wherever you are, it doesn't stop. You're still that gateway. The gateway's either open or you've closed it. So God wants you to be an open gateway. The gifts of the Spirit, the nature of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. When the, holy, when the gateway is open, there is love flows out of your life. When the gateway is open, you live, you live and walk in peace. You're not walking around uptight all the time. When the gateway is open and the Holy Ghost is flowing, there's a joy in your life and spirit. People can't understand it, but they like being around you because you're a joyful person. The church needs a whole heap more of the Holy Ghost. Tell someone if you need more of the Holy Ghost. You need more of the Holy Spirit in your life. We need more of the Holy Ghost. When our lives are filled with the Holy Ghost, there's a joy in our heart. There's a joy that overflows. It shows up on your face. Shows up in the way you live your life. God wants you to be filled. Not filled with, or not filled with anxiety or filled with fear or filled with stress or filled with pressure. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not filled with addictions. Filled with pain. Filled with grief. Filled with sorrow. I want you filled with Him. A loving spirit. But that's a choice to be filled with him and it's a choice to be led by him. And I'm praying that you'll make that choice today that you'll let the Holy Ghost into a part of your life you haven't let him into before. We say amen. Now in the Old Testament, I won't read all the scriptures. You can read them through in Numbers chapter 9 through 15 through to verse 23. But the Bible tells us the Old Testament is full of examples and patterns that give us a picture and an insight to things we can't see. Just because you can't see the spirit realm doesn't make it not real. It is a very real realm. It's a realm where there are demonic spirits operate and influence people. If you remain ignorant of it, no doubt they will work in your life. And when they work in your life, you'll feel the trouble in your mind, the difficulties in engaging God, the, the loneliness they bring, the lust, the, the pressures and stresses and fears they bring. But when we are surrendered to the Holy Spirit, there's something else that's flowing in our life. So in the Old Testament, God gave a pattern. He told Moses to build a dwelling that he could come and he could live among men. It's always been God's desire to live among men. So in the Old Testament, he instructed Moses to build a tabernacle. And then what happened was the presence of God came on and dwelled in the tabernacle. And the Bible tells us that at daytime, there was a pillar of cloud supernatural pillar of cloud. There was a visible, tangible uh, uh, sign of God's presence. And then at nighttime, the cloud, as the, as the sun went down and it got colder in the desert, that cloud would begin to turn and change and then it would become a fiery, a pillar of fire that gave light and warmth and heat out. So by day, it was a covering over them that protected them. By night, it was heat and shelter for them and warmth. The Holy Ghost was there every day. You just looked to the tabernacle. You looked to the tabernacle. There you could see it, a supernatural evidence. God is with me. God is with us. God is in the midst. How about that? And this is what it says. It says they kept their eyes on that because Every time that the cloud would lift up and begin to move, they would then break up camp and they would follow the cloud. And when the cloud stopped and rested, then they would stop and they would set up their tents again. Sometimes for two days, sometimes for some months. In other words, the whole of Israel followed the flow of the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And it didn't matter when he decided to move, when he moved, they moved. He moved, 
they moved. In other words, God was using a pattern in the Old Testament to show us our lives are designed to be directed by the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Holy Spirit. They can understand that sometimes it was difficult. You had to upset and ended up upheave all, you got all comfortable and got everything all sorted around you and you got to pack it all up again. So God moves us, we, he moves us to make changes. He moves us to make transitions. He moves us to make shifts in our life. He moves us forward in the plan of God for our life. And so that was how they lived their lives. For 40 years, whenever that cloud moved, they moved. That's, that's a picture written in the Bible. Look at it and follow it and understand it. Whenever they saw the cloud move, they moved. So there's a pattern for us that God has designed us not just to be his dwelling place, but to actually run our life or to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's how we're designed to be led. And when, we follow, when they followed the cloud, they were covered with protection. When they followed the cloud, they had warmth and fire. When they followed the cloud, they had light at night. Imagine having a fire burning all night. You just go outside and there's this fire burning, sparkling and glowing in the night. How amazing is that? And, and it was like, this is what they had for 40 years, something visible. But that thing that they had is only a picture of what we're called to. We're called to walk in the fulfillment of it. The fulfillment of it is no longer a tent in a desert, but living tents. The fulfillment of it is no longer a cloud that's visible that we see and follow by looking with our natural eyes, but it is the person of the Holy Spirit leading us, guiding us, directing us, helping us with decisions, helping us with marriage, helping us with family, helping us with finance, helping us in our work. Wherever we are, God is wanting to lead you and direct you. He wants sometimes to upheave you and make you uncomfortable so you change. Sometimes he wants to lead you to warfare. <clears throat> sometimes he wants to lead you to a place where you rest and stop struggling. That's for many people one of the hardest things to do when God says, stop and wait on me and give me room to work out the situation you're in. See, you get any idea? So, so the Bible says then that Jesus was led by the Spirit. Luke 1, 4 verse 1. In other words, Jesus' life, he, he modeled what the Old Testament uh, was a picture of. The Old Testament was a natural uh, tent. And now Jesus says, I'm the tent or the temple of God. He was led by the Spirit. The Holy Ghost guided him in decision making, guiding him in the direction of his life. He lived as a man of peace. He lived with an overflow of the river of God. And we're called to do the same. So I want to know how to do that, how to do that. So let's ask the question then, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit of God? Let me show you what it means. The word led means to take hold of someone and bring them to a destination. So when you let the Holy Spirit lead you, you're letting him take hold of you and leading you into God's purpose. Rather than trying to figure stuff out for yourself. Eh? It, it also means to guide or direct a person. So that means the Holy Spirit is called to lead you. One of his job assignments is to guide you and direct the course of your life. You don't have to fret over where you're going to go and what you're going to do and what's going to happen next week and how you're going to go. You're called to live in a faith dimension of trusting him. He will guide you, work everything for your good. See, it means to move or motivate by bringing an influence. So the Holy Spirit not only guides us and accompanies us and draws us into the purpose of God, but he empowers us to do what we need to do. But to be led by the Spirit, you've got to make a decision to follow him. He won't force you. 
No one can lead you unless you choose to follow. So here's the thing. We're going to be following something. Our choice that we make is not whether we follow or not, but rather who or what we follow. We can follow the culture of the world or the culture of the kingdom. We can follow a demonic spirit of lust, idolatry, of greed, of all kinds of things, bitterness. We can actually follow its movement in our life. Or we can yield to the Holy Spirit and have a different fruit in our life. It all depends on who we choose to yield to. The Bible says, whoever you yield to, Romans chapter 6, he becomes your master. When we yield to the Holy Spirit, we become more and more like God. Because he'll tell you, don't shout out like that. Talk softly, talk kindly, show love to that person, forgive that person. He'll, he'll talk to you ways that will lead you to become a great person. Think about that. So we need to be led by the Holy Ghost. So to be led by the Holy Ghost, we need to recognize his leading and be willing to follow. I'll say that again. To be led by the Holy Spirit, you need to recognize when he's leading you. Because sometimes that's not obvious. Sometimes it feels like I'm just on my own here and I don't feel him at all. So I need to learn how to recognize when he's leading me and I need to then submit to following, even if that choice is uncomfortable. Because sometimes he'll lead you into uncomfortable decisions, uncomfortable choices that'll usually require some degree of sacrifice or there's some personal cost to us. So it may be in financial area, it may be uh, in the area of relationships, it may be in the area of letting something go that's held your life into bondage, but the Holy Spirit will lead us into God's destiny and empower us to do it if we let him. Amen? Okay, so where, where does the Holy Spirit lead us? I won't go into this in too much because I covered it in the seminar, but uh, he leads us in three areas. I, could, I mean, we could expand this a lot, but the first, the first thing the Holy Spirit does is he will lead you and draw you into intimacy. Intimacy with your Father in heaven. The Holy Spirit, how many felt that when you didn't pray, you felt this nagging pressure you hadn't prayed? What's that pressure? What is it? Why do you feel it? It's because a person is drawing and pulling on you and leading you back to intimacy, the place of prayer, the place of worship, the place of knowing God and experiencing an impartation of his life. That's why if you don't pray, get up early in the morning and pray, you have this kind of pressure all through the day. I need to pray, I need to pray, I need to get time with God, I need to get time with God. And then the end of the day comes, you feel, oh man, I'm in time with God. It's, who, where is that voice coming from? See, that, that voice is the Holy Spirit witnessing with your spirit that you put other things first in your life. Yeah. And he's pulling you back to your first love. He's always pulling us back into worship. Yeah. He always does that. He'll always pull us into intimacy because the greatest of all things we can do is to have an intimate relationship. So notice in Ephesians 2.18, through him we have access to the Father by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's job description is to show you what God is like, to reveal the love of God to you. You want to encounter the love of God? You need to experience the Holy Spirit. He's the one who shows the love of God. In 1 Corinthians 2, 12, he says, Now we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So the Holy Spirit will constantly draw you into prayer. And that's why when you don't pray, you always feel bad that you're not praying. How many, how many, how many I ask people, how's your prayer life going? You know what they'll almost always say? 
know what they'll almost always say? Oh, it could be better. How about that? Why do people say that? Oh, it could be better. Or it's not gone so good. Because in the heart, we know the Spirit bears witness that we are called to an intimacy and in a relationship with God as our Father. To know His love, experience His love. It changes how we view life. It changes our priorities. So when you're not entering into that relationship, there's always this feeling, I'm falling short. Now, you should never live under condemnation. So I never live under the thought. I never even take in the thought, it's not good enough or I should be doing more because that's condemnation. God draws us by love, not by condemning us. So it's the, whole, it's the it's de- demonic spirits of condemnation will tell you all the time, you're not doing enough, you're not doing enough, you're not doing enough. Never agree with that. I'm here to enjoy my father and to grow my relationship with him, not live condemned that I'm not doing enough. Could do this, could do that. Don't live that way. Don't live condemned. Just make decisions. I want to spend seasons where I draw nearer to him. So the Holy Spirit will always draw you to build an altar in your life, a place of commitment and sacrifice and engagement with God personally. I won't talk about altars today, but they are the way that, or they're a, 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 a strategy that God uses to bring us into encounters with the spirit realm. Anyway, so let's move on. Second thing does is the Holy Spirit will lead you and empower you into your assignment. In Acts 1 1 verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the utmost ends of of the earth. Notice there, you will receive power. Now, every person is called to do something. Notice he says, you will receive power when the Holy Ghost is on you. In other words, was that the first sign the Holy Ghost upon us is as a power dimension comes into our life. He wants to empower you. What? Empower you to do what? Empower you to become a witness that Jesus has risen from the dead. He's alive. He heals. He delivers. He sets people free. The Holy Spirit, when you encounter him and you get healed, gives you a testimony that Jesus is risen from the dead and he's alive. We need experiences with God, testimonies of what God did that tell us the reality, Jesus is alive. See, you need a fresh experience with God that Jesus is alive, he's risen from the dead, and I just got a breakthrough. See, so the Holy Ghost gives us power to become a witness. Not only the power of a changed life, but power to pray for others and minister to others and bring that change to them. The Holy Ghost is given to give you power in your life. But you've got to pursue the power. It's not automatic. Many Christians live very powerless lives because they don't pay the price or build an altar that allows them to access the power of God. Jesus was led by the Holy Ghost, anointed to preach the gospel, heal the brokenhearted, set people free. You're called to do that. That's who you are, a son and daughter of the living God, called to live by the Holy Ghost. Trouble is, if we don't develop a spirit-sensitive life and learn how to yield to the Holy Spirit, we'll yield to all kinds of other things. And then even when you hear God calling you, you're dull and unresponsive. It's a terrible state. It's called lukewarmness. It's called being religious, having a form of religion and no power. God wants you to have power in your life, energy, dynamic in your life. You have to worry where the Holy Ghost will lead you. In Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel had a vision. What did he see? He saw the temple. He saw the house of God. He saw you and me. 
And what else did he see? He saw water flowing out from the door of the temple. And what else did he see? He saw that wherever the water went, the water caused light to come. So when you flow with the Holy Spirit, yield to the Holy Spirit, surrender to the Holy Spirit, He will lead you to serve people and impart value into their lives every time. Come on, think about that. That's why we need to be empowered by the Holy Ghost. See, The Holy Spirit will always lead us into intimacy and He'll lead us into a place of serving and adding value and imparting life to people. We alter atmospheres. When we come into a room, it changes because we're there. Now, you can't do that if you're full of depression. If you're, if you're full of depression, you're weighed, weighed down by a demonic spirit. There may be many causes of that, but ultimately, you're not ministering a spirit of joy, gladness, and freedom and praise. You're ministering something else out of the atmosphere that you're living in. We've got to live and build atmospheres for the Holy Spirit. Third thing the Holy Spirit leads us into, he leads us to grow. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And then he, he returned from the wilderness in the power of the Holy Ghost. So one of the job descriptions of the Holy Spirit is to grow you up. So therefore he will lead you. If you follow his leading, he will take you to things that are uncomfortable. He'll take you and draw you to prayer. He'll draw you to times alone with God. He'll draw you to fasting. He'll draw you into spiritual conflict. Say, I don't want that. I want to be a nice person. No, 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 no. He'll draw you into that so you learn to be a fighter. So you learn how to stand up and not just roll over when life comes at you. The Holy Spirit wants to mature you. He wants to get you so you're not focused on yourself and your needs, but you're focused on Him and how you can be a blessing to others. You actually change as a person, become a nicer person. No one likes self-centered people. They turn everyone off. But a person who's got a loving, generous heart that overflows to people, that is an attractive thing. So the Holy Spirit wants to change you. You don't have to worry about that process. All you've got to do is allow him, by following his leading, to work in your heart and life. He will lead you to uncomfortable situations because he wants you to grow up. That thing you were avoiding, he'll lead you to face up to it. So you have to change. That situation you can't talk about, he'll lead you to talk about it so you can change. That person you're avoiding, he'll lead you to deal with what's in your heart so you're no longer avoiding them. You understand, he wants us to grow, not to remain immature. Immature people are concerned about their needs and they forever want someone to give them help. God wants you to grow up, to grow and mature in love, to mature in handling people, handling relationships, handling pressures, handling difficulties. It doesn't mean you get it right all the time. All you gotta do is if you will be responsive to the Holy Spirit, he will lead you into the maturing process. And whatever happens, even your failures when you're following the Holy Spirit turn out to work out for good. It's a great thing. It's a great thing that the Holy Ghost will do that. You see, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So that means God is guiding my steps. If I fall, if I fall, He lift me up again. I don't have to worry about falling over. He'll lift me up again. That's the work of the Holy Spirit to lift you back up again. You just got to constantly keep yielding to Him. He's your friend. He's your tutor. He's your coach. He's your mentor. Don't say, I haven't got anyone to mentor me. You've been given a personal mentor. I'll never leave you. He'll never leave you. He's there 24 hours a day. 
The Holy Ghost. Oh, I love the Holy Ghost. How many love the Holy Spirit? He will teach things to you. He will show you stuff. He will show you what's going on in your heart. The Holy Spirit will lead you to grow, mature, and become fruitful if you'll let him. How about that? So how, what are the keys there to be led by the Holy Spirit? Here's the, 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 the number one. Let me show you. The number one thing is to learn to recognize his voice and then to yield to him. So I'll give you five keys how you can be led by the Holy Ghost. They're very, very simple things. And uh, there are many ways the Holy Spirit can speak to us. He can speak to you personally, spirit to spirit, which is the major way. He can speak to you through the Bible, through reading the Word of God. We should read the Word of God, understand the principles, ask the Holy Spirit to show us things. He'll lead you through the fivefold ministry, speaking and imparting to you. See, he'll lead you that way. He'll lead you through people that love you and speak correction into your life. He'll lead you through circumstances. Sometimes we get into such a mess, we cry out to God and he shows where we went wrong. Anyway, here's five keys how you can increase the dimension of being led by the Spirit in your life. Very, very simple keys. You would understand them and uh, let me just give them to you one, one by one. Number one, number one, if you want to be led by the Spirit, honor. Honor the Holy Spirit. Honor the Holy Spirit. To be led by the Holy Spirit Place honor and value on him. Don't take him for granted. Place honor and value. Honor attracts the Holy Spirit. Actually, in life, the people who you show respect to are attracted to you. People you honor, honor releases what they have to you. So if you dishonor someone, then whatever they have will shut down and won't come to you. And this is a big problem when we look around and we see the natural limitations or faults or flaws of people and we then start to despise them and dishonor them, then we shut down their capacity to share with us what God has given to them. See, so honor is really important. So we need to honor the Holy Spirit. We honor the Holy Spirit when we make him welcome. Holy Spirit, come. Come and fill me today. I surrender my life to you today. You honor him when you make him welcome. You honor him when you acknowledge your need for him. Holy Spirit, I need you. Help me. I don't know what to do. You're honoring him when you let him know your needs. You're honoring the Holy Spirit when you seek his presence. So you spend time in worship. You pray in tongues, knowing that as you pray in tongues, his, the Spirit of God is starting to flow through you. You're honoring him. Right? There are many ways we can honor him. So when we, when we honor the Holy Spirit, when we surrender or give control to him, Lord, I put my day into your hands. Many people work the other way. That, Here's my plans. Now, Holy Spirit, bless them. Oh, well, see how that worked out for you, hey? <laughs> you can't con God. I mean, he sees a con man a long way off. What are my plans? No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Lord, I surrender. Here's my plans. I bring my plans before you. Now talk to me about them and show me uh, where they need to be adjusted, and I bring them before you, see? Okay, so to be led by the Holy Ghost, practice honoring him. Honoring his presence, making him welcome. Holy Spirit, I welcome you to come. I depend on you. I need you. Thank you for the ways you've helped me. I expect you to help me again. You understand? This is simple. Honoring him. Just words of gratitude, words of appreciation. Second is faith. Honor, faith. Faith. To be led by the Holy Ghost, you have to choose to exercise faith. You must choose to believe he will lead you. And uh, faith is expressed through trust and obedience. So we learn to, we, we make a decision, I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to work through me, to work in this situation. 
It's not such a hard thing to do, but it requires faith. To be led by the Holy Ghost, we need to believe he will direct me. See, if you're worried about today, tomorrow, about COVID, about all these things, it's because you're not trusting the Holy Spirit will lead you. Do you think it kind of came as a surprise to him? The only thing it's a surprise to is us, and it's annoying because our lives get disrupted and we don't want that. But what if it's just something that's there and the Holy Spirit wants you to be an overcomer in the midst of it and learn how to be led wisely by him? And so in Proverbs 3, it tells us in verse 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and all your way acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. So in other words, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on trying to work everything out. In everything you do, be intimate with him and put your plans before him. Here's the promise. He will direct your paths. He'll direct you. He'll direct you. You don't have to worry about losing your way. He knows the way. He'll direct you. How about that? Here's the third one. Number three, surrender. To be led by the Holy Ghost, you need to let go your desire to be in control. Oh, that one hurts right there. You see, our flesh wants to be in control. We, we don't want to experience discomfort or pain or any kind of setbacks. And so our, our flesh, our, our old nature, desires constantly to be in control. We want to know everything before we do anything. We, we want to have control over how things are going to work out, control over people, control over circumstances, uh, because we're motivated by fear. So when people have fear in their heart, they will then try to control everything. That's why you, you, you try and make a change and suddenly they get angry and upset because they're controlled by a spirit. The moment you, you touch a person's idol, the thing that they're serving in their heart, they will become angry. <laughs> so you can tell there's an idol in the heart. There's a need for surrender. So, so surrender. So we need to surrender to the Holy Spirit instead of trying to control our life. When you surrender to the Holy Spirit, you find life works out a lot better. It doesn't mean that you don't have responsibility. It means you make a decision to surrender what you have and what you're doing to the Holy Spirit. It could be simple as this. Lord, I surrender my heart and all my affections to you today. Come fill me with your love and with a desire to please you. Lord, I surrender my thoughts to you today. Lord, fill my thoughts with the word of God. Help my mind be focused on things which are good. Lord, I, I surrender my will to you today. Lord, I pray for your will to be done. I surrender my choices to you today. Now, you surrendering your will means you're not going to get angry. You're, not, you're, you're making a decision to let the Holy Ghost do what he needs to do. You're not going to get into reactionary mode. Lord, I, I surrender my words to you today. Today, I choose to speak words that are blessing and life building. Today, I yield my hands to you. Everything I do today, I surrender to you as an act of worship. I, I yield my feet to you today to walk with you today. It's a conscious act of surrender, of yielding to him. So uh, if you want to walk with the Holy Spirit, be led by the Holy Spirit, then practice surrendering to him. Practice surrendering and prompt obedience. Learn how to recognize if he's moving, like in a meeting. See, if you come to a meeting, then you've come to just a meeting. So whatever happens in the meeting was a meeting. Go, went and came home. But if you come to engage God, then now it's a dynamic thing. So when you come, you're, you're, you're listening and the flow of the worship. And, and if you, we've got an amazing team who are very sensitive and very committed to working with the Holy Spirit. 
And so when you come in, then we need to yield. We need to yield our body, yield our thoughts, and then start to give ourselves to God so we can engage him. And then you'll find in the music, there'll be movements of the spirit. You'll feel the spirit is on one song. You say, don't stand there or keep singing it again. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're not going to stop singing hallelujah. You know, listen, we're not going to stop singing hallelujah. We're just going to keep singing it. Because as we're singing it, our heart is starting to agree with what our mouth is saying and the Spirit of God is starting to show himself and we feel his presence coming into the room. So we're going to yield to that. And then if the worship leader is sensitive, which they are, then they'll move you into, some, into the next phase of it. So what I don't know whether you noticed today, as so we began to sing Hallelujah, it went on for quite a while. You've got to get in, oh, what a boring song that is. Or you could feel it start to build. And what was very kind of passive you could feel the energy starting to build, the atmosphere starting to build, and then we got into that flow of Shekinah glory come down. Now, you understand there was a movement in the worship. Now, see, if you're not sensitive, you're just singing songs and you're getting bored. But if you're sensitive, you're feeling where God is moving and you respond to it. Worship leaders shouldn't have to tell you to clap. When you feel the sound of applause for God coming, you just join in and flow with that. See, so, so every Sunday, you've got a chance to learn the movements of the Spirit. That's right. And as a church body, we want to learn how to move with what the God is on and be willing to change and adjust because that'll bring greater encounters with Him. We, if you're happy to live with what you have, you'll just have what you have and probably less. But if there's something in you saying, I'm so hungry. I cannot live with what I have. I need greater encounters. I want this place to be filled with your presence, so tangible, all I can do is weep and bow in your presence. You don't think that can't happen, but it comes when we position ourselves right. See? And, and uh, so the last couple of keys there, very simple. So, so surrender, learn to surrender, pray in the spirit. Here's, here's the last two couple of keys. Sensitivity, sensitivity. To be led by the Holy Spirit, you've got to be sensitive. Sensitive means you feel impressions. You're, you, you are responsive to small things. You're aware of someone. And so the Bible tells us don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So if you grieve him, you won't be sensitive to him. The most common way people grieve the Holy Spirit is through unforgiveness. You come in with an attitude against someone and refuse to let it go then what will happen is you become insensitive to the Holy Spirit, but more sensitive to a demonic spirit and feelings of injustice and hurt. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, don't let there be bitterness and anger and unforgiveness and stuff, but be kind and tender-hearted. Otherwise, you grieve the Spirit of God and you become insensitive to Him. Unforgiveness is the biggest one. In, in 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.19, it tells us, don't quench the Holy Spirit. So it must be possible not only to grieve him and hurt him and cause him sorrow, but also to quench him. So he's watching how you treat one another. He's watching how we treat each other. He's watching our attitudes and the way we treat. Are we going to walk in love and value people, forgive them and speak the truth when needed? Or are we going to build walls and, and resent them? And then he feels that and he draws back from us. Do we quench the Holy Spirit? To quench the Holy Spirit means you don't leave any room for him. Pastor David was saying this morning, let's make room for the Holy Spirit. And we, we don't make room for him when we want to be in control and we're too inflexible to give him room. To just wait 
and allow him to move, to give him time to work on that family situation, give him time to work on your spouse, give him time to work with your children. When you're trying to control it, you'll hurt everyone. But if we give God time, it's amazing what he can do. It's amazing how he can shift things. So don't quench him. The quencher means to obstruct him. Rather be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You become sensitized when you pray. You become sensitized when you start to respond to him. And the last couple of things, I haven't got time to really deal with them very much. I'll just give them to you. Hunger. Huh. To be led by the Holy Ghost, develop a hunger for him. Sometimes some songs will actually speak out what's in your heart I hunger for you I long for you and when we play those over and over our heart begins to hunger for God sometimes fasting will increase your hunger for God times alone will increase your hunger but hunger for the Holy Spirit the Bible tells us God will come and fill those who hunger and thirst Hey, we need to hunger for him see we can become lukewarm lose the passion and you can see it shows up in the daily prayer life. It shows up in the half-heartedness and the lack of enthusiasm. But what if I was to come prepared and say, God, I want to meet you. I so want to meet with you. And I'm going to give you my best. What happens? Your hunger for him, you will encounter him. We hunger for him. I tell him I hunger for him. I play songs about hunger for God. And when I play them enough, I feel the hunger rising. Shall I forget to weep that I, I want more of him? Right. You understand? Don't settle for little yeah. when there's much more. Oh, I hunger for him. I like to, to, to watch or listen to something where uh, a place is in massive revival and God is outpouring and you can feel the passion and the hunger. Oh God, I hunger for you. We live in a nation that's lukewarm, passive. It's a nation that desperately needs revival. Where the leaders of the nation are in agreement with demons, all kinds of laws being uh, passed. We need to cry out to God. It's in the crying out, you start to go past just crying out and it becomes a hunger and a longing and a desperation. You want to be led by the Spirit, hunger for Him. He will come. In fact, if you want to be led by the Spirit, learn to listen and respond to Him. I've got no time to talk about the how-tos of that, but... Practice listening every day for Him to speak to you in your prayer time. Practice journaling, writing it down what He's saying, dialoguing with Him. Develop a love relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is so wonderful. He wants to touch people today. You know, if you're hurting in your heart, the Holy Ghost wants to come and help you. He wants to touch you. If there's a brokenness in your life, He wants to come and touch you, help you. If you're struggling with pressure, He wants to help you. If you're afraid of what will happen and what's going to go next year, He wants to help you with that. Brings you to a peace and start to guide your steps, connect you to the right people. See, if there's an emptiness in your heart, oh, He wants to fill that place. If you're feeling unloved, oh, He's the Spirit of love Himself. He wants to welcome you and hold you and touch you. Will you let Him? Will you let Him? He wants to fill you so you overflow. You're a standout person. See, we're supposed to be standout people. Not because of personality or charisma or gifts or money or anything like that, but stout because we've got another spirit in us, spirit of the living God that stirs us, causes us life and to flow. Oh, we want the Holy Ghost. 
If you want the Holy Ghost, why don't you reach out to him and say, God, I want a fresh touch today. I want you to come and fill me today. I want to be filled with the Spirit. Perhaps some of you need a release and the gift of tongues. If we want that touch of God, why don't we just come, make our way to the front. We're going to flow back in that song. We're going to sing hallelujah. God was on that song and flow back into Shekinah glory. Come on, you were great today. Just let's do that. Let's flow. Come on, stand together. Let's just stand together. If you've got to get away, get away. But it's often in this moment that God can touch us most powerfully. Come on, let's just lift our hands. I want you to, hallelujah, highest praises to God. Come on, let it rise up inside you. And if you need the touch of God on your life and you say, God, I, I need healing, why don't you make your way to the front and lift your hands? You may want to kneel and lift your hands, whatever it is, but you're looking for a touch of God. You say, God, I need your touch. Perhaps you're oppressed. There's something heavy over you and you don't know what to do with it. You say, God, I need your touch on my life today. Holy Ghost, come. Come and touch me. Deliver me today, Holy Spirit. Come on, there's others today need to come. Perhaps you need to be freshly filled with the Holy Ghost. Freshly filled with the Spirit of God. Perhaps you're watching online and you need a fresh touch of God. Come on, join in with us. Join in with us. Start to worship Him. Hallelujah. It means highest praises to God. Come on, lift your voice. Let's together lift our voices. Let heaven be joined to earth as we raise the name of the Lord.